0: Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Dr. Robert Creech. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, please visit our website at www.trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, church. Good morning. The Lord is with you. Also with you. Uh, we are the sermon title that's printed there is Beached But Still Breathing. Somebody asked if this was going to refer to uh, Jacob and Sarah off in Hawaii right now, but I think not, okay. 1996, um, Melinda and I had, had just come through a period of real turmoil in life. There had been a crisis at our church that was really serious. There had uh, My dad and my mother had both... Uh, died within that period of time. Uh, Back in 1992, at age 40, we had had another child, and so we had a preschooler at home in the midst of all of that. It had been a pretty tumultuous time. And in 1996, we decided to take a few days of vacation. So uh, Melinda did the research, and we were headed up to Arkansas to the uh, Buffalo River, wild and scenic river. and We were going to take a couple of days and canoe on the river. We found a stretch there of uh, the river that was built as a family-friendly kind of thing, not class four whitewater rapids or anything like that. We found the canoe rental place and cabins to stay in, and we Left our daughter with my sister and drove up to Arkansas to the Buffalo River. And uh, sure enough, it was everything that we had imagined. It was like being in a Disney nature film there for the first day. On Tuesday, we canoed down the river and fish for smallmouth bass and deer were trotting across the river in front of us. It was just an absolutely beautiful place. You know, the wild and scenic river, no roads crossing it, no bridges, no people, just us on this beautiful river for a day. And we pulled over that evening to a sandbar and camped on the sandbar, prepared our meal and slept in the tent. The next morning we packed everything up and put it back in the canoe and set out, and for a few hours there on Wednesday, we just floated down the river as we had the day before. Then we came to this place in the river where the river had been maybe about 50 or 60 feet wide, but it narrowed to about 10 feet wide and formed a chute that made a 90-degree turn. So we pulled our our canoe over and scouted this thing out. There was only one obstacle there, really. A a, a large tree had been growing there on the riverbank, and the water had eroded around the root system, so there was this big root system hanging there. And we figured all we had to do was just avoid the root system, and we could easily make that little turn and be back on the wide part of the river. So we decided that we would go for it. And uh, we headed into it, what well, we didn't realize, was just how rapid that water was and how strong it was when we got in that. So instead of avoiding the root system, we just ran the nose of the canoe right into it. And we were stuck in it. And we started pushing with our oars and trying to get away from it and get free. And then suddenly it broke free and fell on the canoe and knocked Melinda down. And then uh, we, the, the water pushed the canoe sideways that we learned later that's called broaching, which is not something we to do. It's a prelude to a couple of things, the canoe turning over and then you having your life flash before your eyes. Those are <laughs> the things that happen next. Sure enough, the canoe broke loose and went further downstream. I fell into the water and that whole root system fell on top of me. And I thought, seriously, I hope they find my body. I don't know that anybody (laughs) knows we're out here, and I don't know how we're going to get out of this. And I fell down the canoe, meanwhile, went downstream, and Melinda was between... Oh, it's on the other side of it. It pinned her leg to a log that was there. And the water was so strong, it washed that thing off of me. I came up sputtering and then looked down the river. Melinda was going, I think my leg is breaking. And the canoe was wrapping itself around her leg against that log. And we went over there and finally worked with the water and got it her loose. The canoe was dented up pretty badly and all our stuff had spilled out because we didn't tie it down because it was such a nice float trip the day before. And finally, we got the canoe loose. We got everything pulled over. We pounded the dent out of the aluminum canoe. We found most of our stuff. I lost my driver's license and a rod and reel, but that was inconsequential. And then we just sat there on the side of the the river for a bit and caught our breath. Then we decided we'd had enough canoeing, and we paddled as quickly as we could to the end of our, our destination. You ever been at that place in life? where things are going on fairly smoothly for a while, and then all it takes is a phone call, uh, a word from the doctor, uh, an event on the highway, in a matter of seconds, what had been peaceful and easy going can turn into an authentic crisis, a time when the future is called into question. And we can get there so quickly, and it may only last 15 or 20 minutes like ours did, or it may last three or four days, or it may last several years, but suddenly everything has changed in a moment. And at the end of it, there you are, beached and gritty and bruised and dirty and tired and exhausted, but the crisis has finally passed. And you're able to look back up the river and say, if God hadn't been with us, I don't think we would have made it. The book of Psalms has a poem like that. It's Psalm 124. It's one of those songs of ascent we've been talking about, songs that pilgrims sing on their way to Jerusalem for the festivals. And it's a reminder that... Just because you're traveling to Jerusalem does not mean that your life is exempt from crisis. It can help. It can happen any time. And it's also a good word of testimony from those who have walked that path before and been through those crises to say God is our help and our deliverer. Let's read Psalm 124 together as we've been doing. Together. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say... If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth, We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. You might call that psalm the psalm of narrow escape, because that's exactly what the psalmist is describing. If the Lord had not been on our side, we would not have made it. The river would have washed us away. Our enemies would have chewed us up and spit us out like a bird caught in a trap in the fowler's trap. We would have been snared and we would never have gotten out had the Lord not been with us. The pilgrim life is a life that is marked occasionally by crises, a time when the future is called into question. It can happen Quickly, it can happen over time. But those crises are things that genuinely threaten our lives, our health, our families, our well-being, our church, our hope. And we're not going to be exempt from them just because we're traveling a road toward God, toward Jerusalem. We are traveling that road as human beings, among human beings, in a broken world. And occasionally, those crises are going to be ours. And what's contained in this psalm is not a promise that we are somehow exempt from those experiences. Rather, it is the testimony of someone who has been through those experiences to say, God is our deliverer, the maker of heaven and earth. One of the things that important to grasp, I think, underlying this psalm is this really honest observation the psalmist makes that crises are a part of the journey and that praising God is not always easy in the midst of the crisis. Now, there are Christians who think you're supposed to praise God all the time, and maybe they're right. Uh, No matter what's going on in your life, It's always good and appropriate to sing praise to God. I agree with that. But sometimes in the midst of a life-threatening crisis, there's hardly any time for that. It's hard to look up from a canoe that is wrapped around your leg and say, praise the Lord. Right now, the focus is on, are we going to get out of this alive or not? The crisis sometimes overwhelms us in such a way that praise doesn't come easy in the midst of it. It's not a common response to say, praise the Lord. The psalmist was that way. Whatever it was that had happened in the psalmist's experience, he describes it in these terms, men attacked us. They would have swallowed us alive. Anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. Raging waters would have swept us away. We were attacked by wild animals. We were trapped by the fowler's snare. That's a pretty serious crisis, whatever it was. He uses all those images. But it was so serious, he said, that if God had not been there, if God had not been for us, we would not have made it out alive. In the middle of our crisis, sometimes our first response is not praise the Lord. It's where is God? That's what we want to know when we're in the middle of it at times. If God's on our side, why did the boat capsize? If God's on our side, why did the crisis come? If God is all-powerful and all-loving, why has he allowed this to happen to someone who is on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem? We're, we're headed in the right direction. Why this experience if God cares so much about us? If God is with us, why is this happening? Now, that's not a modern question. That question is often on the lips of godly people in whose stories are told in this book. You find them regularly making that normal, natural human response. We may too naively assume that if we follow Christ, that somehow he drops a plexiglass protective coating around us, a shield of some sort that keeps all dangers and threats away from our life. And we're going to be disappointed if we think that. I I tell you, I don't know where that idea came from exactly, but it didn't come out of this book because the stories of the godly people in this book are marked by times of crisis. Some of the people who walk closest to God also walk closest to death at times and endure human suffering that's practically unimaginable. You can find people in the scriptures who are following after God and They deal with famine, wondering where their next meal is coming from. They deal with fear and childlessness for decade after decade. They deal with the death of parents and the death of children, the death of brothers and sisters and friends. They deal with oppression from godless people. They deal with disease and persecution. They deal with injustice and war. They deal with complete national collapse where everything in society caves in around them. They deal with personal failure and sin. All of those are part of the stories of the people whose lives are accounted for in the Bible. These are people following after God, and crisis is not uncommon. There's no promise, not even a hint, that if you give your life to Christ, the chaos is going to stay away from you. You remain a human being in a broken world. And so the question, where is God in the middle of those, is a common kind of question. That's the question we raise when our expectations have been dashed. If God were on our side, why did this happen? Mary and Martha, two people who loved Jesus dearly and whom Jesus loved had a brother Lazarus who died suddenly and when Jesus arrived on the scene they said if you had been here our brother would not have died. Where were you when we were going through this crisis? Jesus' disciples were with him in a boat they had seen him do miracles. They had already witnessed the power of God working through his life but here was this storm that was about to take all their lives and he's asleep with his head on a cushion in the stern of the boat and They wake him up and they say, Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Where's God when we need him? Where's God in the midst of the crisis? Grateful praise is not easy to generate in the middle of the crisis. And we modern people have not figured out new ways to suffer. We suffer just like ancient people did and we experience what they experience. And in the middle of that, we have a difficult time praising God. We can know, however that God takes our suffering seriously. We know that because he became human and lived among us and experienced suffering himself. He takes our suffering seriously. He is present with us in all of our suffering, and he is there to deliver us in time. In the midst of life's crisis, whether we can sense God's presence or not, He has promised to be present all of the time. Whether it's the noisy rush of the waters that drown out the still small voice or whether it's the threat against our life or the darkness that makes it so difficult to see his presence, we need to know that scripture says he he is present, he understands, and he cares when we're in those places. Grateful praise is difficult when we're in the midst of the crisis. We get that. But grateful praise comes naturally, even easier after the crisis. And that's where the psalmist comes in. Praise begins to flow when you're laying there on the beach and it's, you've made it through the crisis. And you look back and you see God has been at work all of the time through all of that. And it's time to offer praise. That's the perspective of Psalm 124. On the beach, looking back down the river, and he doesn't look back and say, where was God? In all of that, as we sometimes do in the middle of the crisis. Rather, he looks back down the river and says, If the Lord had not been on our side, we would not have made it. God was present the whole time, His goodness. ...helped us survive. We would have been swallowed alive, but God was with us. The flood would have engulfed us, but God was with us. The torrent would have swept us away, but God was with us. Our enemies would have devoured us, but God was with us. Praise to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. Right in the midst of the excruciating pain of crises and suffering, it's hard to praise. But in retrospect, looking back, it's often possible... To see so many details where God was at work in our life to preserve our life. To give us strength to keep going. To let us hear that word we needed to hear at just the right time. To hold us up when we would have fallen apart on our own. Maybe the fingerprints of God over so many things. There may be passages of scripture That had once just been mere platitudes to us, but they became so meaningful during that time and helped to sustain us. Words spoken by friends and family, all those things take on a new meaning when we look back down the river and understand that if the Lord had not been with us, we would not have made it. Beautiful, flowing praise to God doesn't come easy in the middle of the crisis and the suffering but it is a a word that begins to flow from us when we look back and see what the Lord has done. I I, I probably already in four or five months that we've been together have read these words to you and I'm going to probably read them four or five more times in the next six months. They're some of my favorite words in scripture. Romans chapter eight, verses 31 to 39. Let's hear them again. Paul says, what are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him also freely give us everything? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded, convinced, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You hear that now? Paul has, this is looking back over a life where those things have been realities to him. And he said, I am persuaded. I am fully convinced that there's nothing that separates us from God's love. No experience of life. Looking down the river, Paul says, I've been through all that. And I found Christ's love to be constant through it all. And sometimes it's just that we have to get on the other side of the crisis before we can begin to understand how, in fact, God walked through it with us. We may not have understood it when it happened. We may not be able to discern any great cosmic reason for the particular suffering that we endured. And we may not be able to make sense of it all even after it's over. But we can look back and say, I have seen where God was with me. Had the Lord not been on my side, I would not have made it. Grateful praise begins as we discern God's presence through those crises and his deliverance. Now... This is where that leads to. Our praise after the crisis becomes a word of strength and a word of testimony for those who follow behind us. This is really important to grasp. Testimony is the way that God reveals his truth through human experience. He takes his people through experiences, and having been through that experience with God, they say like Paul, I am persuaded, I am convinced that there's nothing that life can throw at me that will separate me from the love of Christ. Paul didn't come to that conclusion by going up in some ivory tower and meditating on the the nature of God. He came to that conclusion by having been through peril and nakedness and famine and persecution and sword and never at any time having had to wonder whether Christ loved him. It is testimony that we turn around and offer to those behind us on the journey. That's why this is a a pilgrim psalm. This is a psalm for people who've made this journey lots of times, and they say sometimes the journey's hard, but those of you that are making it for the first time, listen to me. The Lord is our help and our deliverer. Verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We started our service today with really that verse. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Here it is, our help is in the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. That's not speculation. This is testimony. We've been through hell And God never left us. God delivered us. The maker of heaven and earth set us free from our enemies, kept us from drowning, held us tight while we were trapped in the fowler's snare, and then set us free. This is testimony. And when we sing these songs, after that, we are listening to the voice of God through those who have walked the path before us, and they are turning around and saying, God is your helper. God will be there. Do you suppose David... Learned that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you think he got? He learned that as speculation. I used to think when I heard the twenty third Psalm as a Psalm of David, the shepherd king. I used to think of little David out in the field, you know, with the sheep and him maybe writing that Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't think so. This is old man David. He's been through life. He has had trouble and crisis one after another and looking back he says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I've never suffered want in my life he leads me beside still waters he makes me lie lie down in green pastures and even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death he's with me and his rod and staff they comfort me that's testimony is what that is this is from a life lived in the presence of God and it's offered to those who walk behind him David has learned that the valley of the shadow of death is a real place, and he's walked through it, and he learned that the ground is just as solid on the valley as it is on the mountaintop, because the Lord is with him. Paul didn't get Romans 8 from speculation. He'd been through all of that. I testify that nothing separates us from the love of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, We are distressed, but not in despair. Afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. This is testimony. He's lived through this. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 43 But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. This testimony it says, God's people who walk behind us know that those who have gone before you have found God faithful. And you can find him faithful too. It's what God's people have found to be true through the crises of life. Being a pilgrim on the road to Jerusalem, following after Christ's way, after God's way, does not exempt us from the chaos of life. But it promises us and provides us with substantial testimony that says God will be with you no matter what you face. His people have found that to be true through the millennia, that our help is in the maker of heaven and earth. Some of the most beautiful titles in Scripture given to God... Think of them. God is refuge. God is help. God is deliverer. God is savior. God is redeemer. What do those titles imply from the human side? They imply that sometimes we're in a mess. Sometimes we need to be redeemed. Sometimes we need to be delivered. Sometimes we need to be saved. Sometimes we need deep help. Those titles of who God is come out of the experience of walking through the dark places in life and finding God to be so. And so he earns that title in our hearts and minds, hearts and minds of his people over the ages. He is refuge, help, deliverer, savior, redeemer. We may not see his presence in the midst of all the crisis. Sometimes it's afterwards. We look back and we reflect and we say, if "The Lord had not been on our side; we would have been in trouble." And that becomes the basis of our offering encouragement to those pilgrims who are walking alongside us, walking behind us, to know there's nothing in life that will do you in if your faith is in the Almighty God. Life may be full of crisis. It may be difficult and dark at times. God never leaves. His goodness runs after us. That's why the psalm is here. It is here to help us express our praise and give us some words when we've been there And share that experience. Some of you can read Psalm 124 and go, I know exactly what that's about. I've been there. And if the Lord had not been on my side, if He had not been for us, I wouldn't have made it. But there's a word of encouragement to people who are still in the river, people who are still in the middle of the crisis, as some of you in this room are right now. Right now, there are some of you that are in a darker place than you've been in a long, long time. It's a crisis for you. And you need to hear that the Lord is on your side. The Lord is with you. The Lord will not let you go. He is your help and your deliverer. And he clings to you because his love does not take lightly the sufferings that you and I face. Some of you know that pain. You've dealt with it through your life. And you sit here this morning because God was with you and he brought you through it. And had the Lord not been on your side, you never would have made it. It's a word of testimony. However, to those that are still in the river hold on because whether you can see God or hear God in this moment whether you feel like praising him right now he is with you he is your deliverer your help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth let's pray we have our heads bowed before God and uh, I do want to just ask a, a pastoral question right now it's You would say, Robert, right now, I'm in the middle of the river. It's still, it's hard right now. And we'd like your prayer. Would you lift a hand and just say, pray for me. Right now, we're still in the river. I see some that are there, and I know there are others. We pray together. Lord, you have been so good to us, we can't begin to understand. But it is our testimony that when life has been hard and difficult to understand and hard to endure, that you brought us through and we've looked back, seeing that you were in fact with us and on our side or we wouldn't be here today. We thank you for that, God, along with this beautiful word from Scripture. We pray for our brothers and sisters in this room and in this church family who right now are still in the middle of the rushing river and really struggling right now. We ask you to lift them up and help them to somehow in the midst of that to know your presence and to be able to hear deep in their soul this word of testimony that their help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And Lord, we pray that in your good time and with your strong power and your deep love, you would soon bring them to a place of rest and outside the crisis, and it be able to look back. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Dr. Robert Creech. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church, please visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.